respect walk. We've talked about rock anthems on this show before, and with this 1993 blockbuster, Pantera distilled a classic rock and roll message, don't fuck with us, into three simple words. Uh, two simple words. No, Jake, I listened to this song like 50 times this week. It's three words. Respect. Walk. Why do I even bother? Well, regardless of the still raging debate over how many words are in the chorus, we can all agree that this song features everything that made Pantera metal legends. Powerful guttural vocals from Phil Anselmo, an unforgettable riff from the late Dimebag Daryl, and a tight syncopated head-bangable groove from the rhythm section. But it took Pantera a long time to find this formula. The band formed in 1981, and their first three albums were made with a different vocalist and are very 80s. Have you, I'm going to interrupt my intro to say, have you seen the, the cover of the first Pantera album, which is called Metal Metal Magic? The one that's that looks like it's drawn by like uh-huh. somebody who's not quite a child yet, or maybe is an adult that never figured out how to draw anything better than how they did when they were eight years old. Yeah, it's like, it, it was like doodled by like the, the metal kid in your biology class. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's great. Uh, Even after Anselmo joined the band, he had to find his way to his signature growl. Once all the elements were in place, though, Pantera was everywhere, especially MTV. Hold your mouth for the war, because today on Hidden Jukebox, it's Pantera's 1993 smash, Walk. I mean, the the sad thing is Pantera's so embarrassed. I mean, only two of the four members are even still alive, and yet they're still so embarrassed by their first three albums and don't really consider them like part of the band that they won't put them on Spotify. Luckily, if anybody's interested in seeing the the album cover slash hearing these, they're on YouTube. Um, and if you want that kind of uh, laughable entertainment, be my guest. Oh, yes. I, I did listen to a little bit of Metal Magic. Um, I first Pantera really first came on my radar like uh, from Headbangers Ball, for sure, in the early 90s. Uh, but then when I got to college in 93, there was this kid who lived across the hall from me who is like the gentlest young man you have ever met. He was a member of the of the like Campus Christian Club. Uh, he was from the South and, and spoke with this very soft Southern accent and mostly listened to the kind of music you would expect, like whatever the equivalent at the time of like a Josh Groban was, but fucking <laughs> loved Pantera. It's, it was his rebellious face. Yes, that was his rebellious thing. He just loved, he would play, uh, you know, uh, this. This album, which is a uh, vulgar display of power yep, uh, over and over. So I, I, I was talking to my friend Evan this week who uh, got this album on cassette when it came out. Sure. Uh, this album came out in 1992. They didn't release Walk until 1993. And uh, he bought it and somehow left it in his parents' car and they found it in the car and took it away from him. And he got it back by explaining to his mom how the song fucking hostile uh-huh. has a positive message that you can gleam from it. And uh, I mean, it's kind of true. Yeah. And, and so she's like, fair enough. And gave it back to him. Uh, that reminds me that yesterday I got the song Been Caught Stealing stuck in my head. I was like, hey, December, my kid, have you, do you know the song Been Caught Stealing? And then, and then I played it and they agreed that was a pretty catchy song. But I do not remember. I remember uh, when that song came out and watching the video a million times on MTV. I don't remember whether there was any panic over whether it would uh, induce kids to start stealing, but I kind of hope there was. <laughs> I... I don't know. Well, I know exactly why. I literally thought that you were going to say there was a worry that that video was going to induce kids to wear stockings over their heads. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Also a clear concern. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back uh, this week and 
tried to find as many interviews as I could from Headbangers Ball with Pantera. Oh, nice. And there's a lot. Like, they were on that show all the time because Ricky Rackman basically had, like, less than 10 bands to pick from that he could <laughs> right. interview on the show. Like, he could play a lot of them, but, but like, Sepultura probably wasn't going to fly up from... From Brazil? From Argentina? Argentina? Argentina, I think. Uh, so he had, like, this limited amount of bands, and they would, like, host the show with him and be so unbelievably awkward. Like, these guys were not built to, to be co-hosts of a show like this. And really, it, it got me thinking about... I don't know who else on the planet besides Ricky Rackman could have hosted that show and metalheads and people who didn't love yeah. metal would respect the guy enough to pay attention to it. MTV was really good at finding hosts for their specialty shows. Yes, right? they they were. And, and you know, I was too young at the time to realize that this was fringe stuff that clearly they would not put on Headbangers Ball at like four in the afternoon sure. when their target audience was getting home from school and were like, I know, let's uh, put on obscure metal music for the next two hours and see how many people we can alienate. Right. Do you Are you old enough that you watched Friday Night Videos before we got MTV? Not before we got... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was the one that, that was, wasn't that was on, on MTV. Right, yes. it was like, if you want to get... You you kids who can't afford cable, like, if you want to get any videos, you can watch them, like, Friday night at 11.30 p.m. Yes, I definitely watched that. That's when I first heard Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> so, that's another one where it's like, you're too young to realize these things at the time, but it was basically like, when MTV came out, Probably networks were like, well, this is an idea that's going to fall flat on its face. And when it didn't, they had to adjust and right. go, how the hell are we going to keep up with this? Because apparently it's all kids want to watch. And they're like, I know, Friday night at midnight, we'll put on music videos and see if anybody watched it. The reason I, I thought of it is because you mentioned the host that uh, occasionally Friday night videos was guest hosted by Malcolm Jamal Warner and Bobby Brown. <laughs> Which, at the time, I'm like, oh, wow, these are the two coolest guys. I, I know. I'm like, which probably at the time seemed really cool. Yes. And now it's like, boy, that is not uh, cool at all. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've got a guy from the Cosby Show and a guy who used to be in New Edition. Right. Um, so so what's, what's your take? How did you uh, encounter Pantera? And uh, what do you think of this song? So I encountered Pantera through Headbangers Ball. And... Pantera are kind of, uh, I, I don't know, the the redheaded stepchild of med- metal music from the 90s. Sure. Because there's the big four, which okay, are- Okay, let me see if I can name let, the yeah, big go four. Ahead. Metallica. Yes. Megadeth. Yes. Slayer. Yes, and nobody ever gets the fourth. <laughs> Sepultura? Nope. Uh, Testament. Anthrax. Anthrax, of course. Yeah. So there were the big four, and they basically got all of the attention, but metal was really big for a while. I think we've mentioned on the show before, and I ask people this question when they talk to me about the podcast, what is the biggest selling album of the 1990s? Yes, we've we've mentioned this before. And it's Metallica, the Black Album. So in spite of the fact that people say pop music rules the charts, and that's what people buy, or country music... It's really metal that outsold everything. And this song sounds a little like Don't Tread on Me, doesn't it? Well, one of the things that I was noticing this week is that Phil Anselmo, the lead singer of Pantera, despite having his own style and them saying, we are doing our own thing that's nothing like these guys, 
the more Pantera that you listen to, the more you realize that he is ripping off pretty much everybody at certain points. Yeah, of course, which like, and, and which is fine. Like, like he does the same vocal inflections as James Hetfield, uh, especially on uh, Cowboys from Hell. He's doing these Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden style yeah. screams. That's who I would have thought of as, as the fourth of the oh. big four, but it's not Santhrax. Okay. Um, he even does like Dave Mustaine style stuff and and uh and yet he's he's got his own style too and he was a great great frontman. Yeah. Um if I, he, like are there any Pantera videos that don't consist mostly of just a Pantera concert? I've never seen another Pan- No, that's not true. Pan- Pantera did a cover on Far Beyond Driven of Planet Caravan by Black Sabbath. Okay. And that video didn't really feature the band at all. But the only other video I've seen besides that is the walk video, which they filmed at the Riviera Theater in Chicago. And apparently uh, they played this song. I don't know how many times, like 10 or 20 to try and get a bunch of shots of the band. And it's really fun to go back and watch the video with that in mind. And like they're cutting through it. And sometimes the band is wearing different shirts. So, you know, it's (laughs) oh, man, that's great. You know that it's like different cuts. And then you like try and watch the shots of the audience and go that guy right there is thinking, how many more times do I have to hear this goddamn song before I'm allowed to get out of here? It's it was literally that Key and Peel sketch where they're stuck in the dance music video. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, like like imagine going to a concert and going. That's my favorite Key and Peel sketch. <laughs> I, I hope you I hope you enjoy the next hour and a half of one song. Uh, that's your favorite Key and Peel sketch. Not, it is. Have Have you seen the? Uh, the college football game yep. one. Oh my god, that's it's not the only Key and Peel sketch I liked. It's just my favorite. Okay, fair enough. Um, so what I was going to say about Phil Anselmo's voice, though, is he already has toned it down on this album and this song from Cowboys from Hell. Yes, I I talk a lot about uh, vocalists singing within their range so that when they get older they can continue to sing the same songs. And Phil Anselmo did not do that. No, and in fact, like on uh, like the best-known song on Cowboys from Hell is probably Cemetery Gates, Definitely. right? Which has like a big-ass high note in it. A couple a times. Cu- yeah. And, and, and you hear it and you go, I didn't even know he could do that. No, I was very surprised. And, and there's no chance. That, I mean, I don't think that he could do it by 1992, and that album came out in 1990. I bet he could still do it in 1992, but which, I, I bet he can't do it now. Which reminds me, have you heard any of the new Guns N' Roses stuff? No, like recently? Yes, they released a couple of new songs, and one of them is called Absurd, and the song is so absurd. <laughs> okay. It's it's like Axl Rose doing this weird thing that he that's like a bunch of effects over his voice where you can't even tell it's him, and then every once in a while, he'll like lean back from the mic and go, yeah! Okay, I need like to listen randomly to Randomly out of nowhere. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So that's our pick for the week. Yep. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about guitar a little. Uh, I want to nerd out a little bit, as as our listeners love. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, Dimebag Daryl, who was tragically murdered in two thousand three, two thousand four in Ohio. Um, 
uh, was an incredible guitarist and he like had a big job to do because part of, I think, what makes Pantera sound like Pantera, and you pointed this out, is that it's really a trio plus a lead singer. And so that means Dimebag Daryl had to do all of the guitars on his own. And like, if you've ever been in a band like that and trying to get by with a single guitarist, it's hard. Well, and and on the studio recordings, he's recording rhythm guitar and lead guitar, sure. which makes you think that when you watch them in a live setting, it's not going to work at all. But he had this chunky, distorted tone to his guitar and it really, really works live. Yes, but also the thing you notice, like especially in this song, is there is so much space in a in a Pantera song. Like you think about metal, and you think, okay, like everyone is like bashing their instruments as hard as they can all the time. No, like they are bashing them as hard as they can, and then taking a break, and then coming back in in a in a you know rhythmically interested way that lets the song breathe nicely. So one of the reasons that I want to pick this song is because Pantera is considered a whole subgenre of metal music called groove metal, which I hate. It's that a name. terrible term, T- terrible term, but it basically took the really heavy part of metal. And instead of doing the fast shredding thing, it slowed everything down right. with kind of this heavy, slow backbeat that created a lot of space in the music. And, and that's kind of, that speaks to what Dimebag was really good at. But he would also take these shredding solos and he had a like this major amount of respect from the other guitarists in in the genre. And at that time where, you know, people like Dave Mustaine would say, I consider myself a good guitarist, but Dimebag Daryl is the best guitarist in metal music. Yeah, no, it's super inventive. Like the the main riff on this song, which like if you've if you've heard this song once, you know exactly what we're talking about. And if not, probably you should have checked it out by now. It'll it'll be at the beginning of the podcast anyway. Um, it's kind of it's like two or maybe three notes because there's there's like a quarter tone bend in there, but it is. Uh, what I've heard described as a minimalist riff, it lasts about a second, if not less. And if you hear just that, like three quarters of a second of guitar, you will know the song instantly. Yeah, it's it's creating a motif. And, right. And he's really, really good at that. And then he, he plays this solo three quarters of the way through the song where he's taking that little motif and playing with the diminished type of tonality that it's yeah. got and and running with it and it's somehow melodic and heavy at the same time uh i don't know if you read this or know about this but dimebag had so much respect from the guitar community that when he was shot in 2004 uh not only did uh kiss donate one of their a kidney a coffin <laughs> oh i did hear about this and Someone donated a guitar to be buried with him, right? Eddie Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen a few yeah. months before uh, Dimebag died, came to him and said, by the way, your yellow guitar that's on the back of Van Halen 2, I absolutely love that. And Eddie Van Halen was like, well, I'll get your replica. And then he died a few months later, and Eddie Van Halen had Dimebag get buried with the original guitar. So yeah. somebody at some point, probably because of this podcast, is going to go dig up Dimebag yep. Daryl and grab the guitar and leave Dimebag Daryl there. Yeah, we're, we are for sure legally on the hook. Actually, I, funny enough, I, I read this week that 
his grave, his brother, Vinnie Paul, who's the drummer for Pantera, is now buried next to him, and their graves are guarded by a fence and a on-call armed guard because they've been defaced and sure. they've been try- people tried to dig them up enough times that they went, okay, screw this, we're keeping them protected. I heard they're guarded by the guy on the cover of Metal Magic. <laughs> the drawing or the real guy? The the, the drawing. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the other thing that uh, that listening to this song many times this week really brought home to me is like kind of you know you can ask yourself like what's the difference between punk and metal right like it's a few different things but like one of the biggest to me is how the guitars actually sound yeah um, so like I am a huge fan of the punk band Touche Amore uh, I don't know if you've if you've listened to them they are a pretty heavy band. Uh, like, you know, all of their vocals are screamed pretty much. They do like, like double bass drumming sometimes. Their songs are pretty fast. But if you listen, the guitars are barely distorted. And that is kind of characteristic of punk. They, the guitars just don't have a lot of gain. And if you turn the gain up beyond a certain point, it starts to sound metal. And I think like there is a relationship between that sound, which just takes up a lot of space in the song and is like difficult to sing over and have the vocals be distinct. So if you're doing a metal song, either you're going to have kind of indistinct vocals over that supercharged, chunky guitar, or you're going to leave space for the vocals by having the guitar cut out. And what's interesting is Pantera started basically as glam rock, yeah. but it was still Vinnie Paul on drums and Dimebag Daryl on guitar, although right. I think he was called Diamond Daryl, Diamond and, Darryl, and, yeah. and the bass player was the same, and he was called Rex Rocker at the time. <laughs> Very good name. Um, I, yeah, I mean, this this was like, this epitomized 80s rock. And the writing was very glam 80s and cheesy, and the vocals were god-awful, but the guitars were still very, very distorted. Yeah. And and like like you could tell that it was Dimebag, even though the music was really bad. So and and you know, arguably Metallica's most popular songs other than the Black Album are all from the eighties. Sure. So this sound was very, very much around during the glam rock eighties hair metal thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like they were, they were like parallel tracks. I think, I think probably like, like Headbangers Ball was a gateway for people who knew hair metal very well and were like, hmm, like, I wonder, I wonder if, uh, what the, the good stuff sounds like. Not that hair metal is bad, but like, you know, the hard stuff. Well, I, I go back to hair metal and you listen to pretty much all those bands, the ones that you find a guilty pleasure or the ones that are really bad. Like, I don't know. What's your guilty pleasure? hair metal band and what's one that you just is like you're you're just like that was really okay. bad. Uh I cannot I cannot handle Warrant. I don't think even Warrant's fun songs are very fun. Um let's see. I don't know is does Bon Jovi count or I'd, are they I'd a little say, more classic rock? I'd say Bon Jovi. Ooh, don't ever call Bon Jovi <laughs> okay. classic rock. Um yeah, no, I I still I still love uh, all of Bon Jovi's hits for sure. You listen to just about any of the guitar players from any of these bands, I was going to say Winger is probably the one that that I think is the worst of all of them. Hey, Winger was bad, and and their guitar players were all like running circles around even today's guitar players. Oh, that's a metal thing. It, but it's incredible. Like like good or bad, somehow these bands were all like, 
uh, okay, we're going to write some shitty music. Also, we found the most phenomenal guitar player in California to play for us. Uh, so we've got that going for us. Counterpoint. Nice. How do you explain Kirk Hammett? Uh, okay, this, this is going to be contentious, <laughs> okay. but I, I know where you're going and I agree with you. <laughs> Kirk Hammett <laughs> is not that great of a soloist. No. He plays the exact same <laughs> guitar solo on every yeah. single song. I, I actually, I think he's fine. I think Lars is fine. I think, I think they get the job done. <laughs> but imagine what Metallica would have been like if Eddie Van Halen had been in the driver's seat there. Hmm. It's not the same style of music, right. but he would have run circles around them. Sure. He just wouldn't have written the type of stuff that they write. Right. Well, I was going to mention that Pantera, uh, despite being from Texas, has ties to Seattle because when Phil joined the band in the late 80s and they recorded Cowboys from Hell, they decided to record with Terry Dale. Date. Is it Terry Date? Terry Date. Is it? Yeah. Wow. No wonder I was having so much trouble finding information. <laughs> uh, I fixed it on the agenda, but I didn't tell you. Great. Thanks Thanks for the heads up. Now I look like an asshole. <laughs> no, we'll edit this out. He's probably listening right now. <laughs> Just uh, retake it. T- Terry Date, uh, the producer of, the, of Cowboys from Hell, as well as Vulgar Dis- Display of Power, uh, was originally from the Midwest, but moved to Seattle early on. And one of the first Seattle metal bands was a band called Metal Church, whose sure. singer just died last year, actually. Um, and he produced them, and he went on to produce Mother Love Bone, yeah. Apple. He produced Soundgarden, Louder Than Love, and Bad Motorfinger. Yes. He produced Screaming Bad Motorfinger che- still sounds so good. So good. Uh, he produced Screaming Trees. He even produced Sir Mix-a-Lot Swass. This, <laughs> awesome. This guy was, was a hero of... Seattle rock music, but he's also produced Sepultura, he's produced Prong, he's produced uh, Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne. Cool. And, Prong. Yeah. Well, Prong was part of the uh, the groove metal scene along with Sepultura. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, so I could not find whether they came to Seattle to, to work on this album or whether oh, Terry Dave went, went to them, but one way or another... Uh, Pantera clearly is a predecessor to Seattle Grunge. It would it would say on Genius where the album was recorded. I bet. Probably. All right. I sh- I should have gone there. That's okay. Um, anything else about Pantera? I like. I would have. I would have voted for Mouth for War. That's my favorite Pantera song because it's the one I heard on MTV a thousand times. Well, what I'll say is. Despite being around for all, uh, I think a little over twenty years, they really had only about a ten-year career. They they were mm-hmm. around for four albums that that got any notoriety right. whatsoever, and and then pretty much Phil Anselmo became too much of an asshole, yeah, and and the band broke up, and so if you got an opportunity to see them during the nineties, uh lucky you because they they were pretty much only popular during their heyday when they could still do what they did and i doubt that they would still sound good if they were still around today yeah probably not um Um, i'm looking up uh one thing i wanted to uh be sure to mention is that they uh their greatest hits album album has a very funny name are you aware of this yes uh 
the best of Pantera, far beyond the great Southern Cowboys vulgar hits. Genius. So it's words from all of their hit albums. Yes. But but yeah, it was really fun going back and listening to Vulgar Display of, of Power and to Cowboys from Hell, which are two of the best metal albums ever made. And I feel like get overlooked a lot because they were not part of the big four and were not Iron Maiden. Yeah. Now, I was doing my best to try and find music that I could uh, recommend this month that somehow had to do with metal music. Oh, OK. I'm going to do exactly the opposite. I, I, no, I, I failed. Like, okay. like the problem is that despite the fact that I love metal music, I don't really listen to much of it. And I feel like and and I'm probably completely wrong, but not much has changed in metal music. Like it's still the same basic formula. Oh, after I've, got, all these I've years. got something metal ish I can recommend. But go ahead. You first. Oh, well, to, to finish that thought. There was the new metal mo- movement in the late 90s, early 2000s that was like uh, Limp Biscuit, Corn, mm-hmm. uh, Corn. Um, oh, who was the one that did Hybrid Theory? Uh, uh, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. And, and they basically added in uh, record scratches and a little bit of hip hop vocals and said, this is the way that metal is going now. And it lasted for a few years, and then bands went back to, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're, we're going to go back to the guitar, bass, drums thing with a vocalist screaming over I'm, I'm like trying not to laugh because like some, some Linkin Park, Mike Shinoda rapping just popped into my head. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah. Like Chester Bennington was so, so go- good. So unbelievably good. And Mike Shinoda was so unbelievably bad. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Balanced out the band, I guess. Yeah. So who I do want to recommend is a band that's been around for a group that's been around for a couple of years now, Salt. Okay. S- I don't know. S-A-U-L-T. Okay. You may not know them because uh, they're British and they're yeah, one- Yeah, I, I don't know anyone British. They're one of those bands that uh, that purposely tries to remain underground. People know okay. who, who the producer is. But nobody really knows who's in the group. They don't. They don't do interviews. They don't take pictures. They don't perform live. But they they are very prolific. They put out two albums in uh in in uh, 2019, two albums in 2020, including okay. an album called Black Is, which is great. And then this year they put out an album called Nine, which they released digitally and on record for 99 days, and then made it disappear. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they're, they're like, if you bought the record, will it catch fire after 99 days? Already did. Okay. My, mine was there and it's gone and mm-hmm. it ruined part of my but they record just, collection. No, they just came to your house and stole it. <laughs> uh, but at least now I know what they look like. Yeah. Um, re- really, really interesting stuff. Hey, you would think they would wear masks or something, but no. I didn't say they didn't wear masks. Okay. Um, and then, uh, magically, Silk Sonic, who is Bruno Mars yes. and Anderson Pac, uh, dropped their new album unannounced uh, yesterday, uh, which was what November twelfth, and it is fantastic. I have not listened to it yet. I will. Um, I I wish that there was an easy way to look at all of the personnel on it because it's got to have twenty different musicians on it. Sure, and it's just great throwback seventies funk. Um, okay, I got uh, something something metalish like. Would you consider Every Time I Die metal? 
Yes. Okay, because their new album is very good. It's it's very long. It has like 17 songs on it, but it's called Radical. And uh, I I ran across uh, their the first video uh, for the song Thing with Feathers, which is like it is so my kind of song in the sense that you know because of who the band is and kind of the general feel of the track that like the it's gonna like break out and the big guitars and drums are gonna come in at some point but they make you wait like a minute and a half before that happens love that song that's awesome and i also wanted to uh pimp my own stuff uh which is i have a single out on spotify with my band consolation lakes uh which is a indie folk duo consisting of me and Lauren Hewn. And uh, our first song, I'm Not the Nightmare, is available on all your favorite streaming platforms. It is the opposite of metal. It's really good. I highly recommend it too. And uh, Matthew did all of these string parts, but did not play them on strings. I just want to add in. <laughs> That's true. Um, I, I will mention here, you just remind me, I have not listened to it yet, but Mastodon uh, just came out with a, a new album at the end of last month. Cool. And I just need to take the time to listen to it because it is an hour and a half long. <laughs> this is not necessary. <laughs> uh, but apparently it's all really good. I mean, if, if you're sitting around as a band and you're like, do you want to throw that one out? No, man. It came out amazing. Like, how do you how do you pick? Like we're split it up and release it like two albums like like your like your friend Salt they, who stole who stole your records did. They 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 don't need to do that. Spotify allows your album to be five hours long now. Thanks, yeah, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, but like the fact that they allow it, does that mean that you should do it? I I don't know. I'm not Mastodon. Yes. Also, let's. Let, I'm very angry about. Uh, uh, d- deluxe editions. <laughs> that all being said, Matthew's new song is 25 minutes long. I hope you enjoy <laughs> <That's right>. it. <laughs> it's a it's a suite uh, that explores a lot of different philosophical themes and historical periods. <laughs> uh, all right, it's, be- it's best played on on a loop, like uh, on a car radio with like four other car radios, like that um, <laughs> Flaming Lips album. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> all right, bye. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 you can't do that. Okay. Um, you can find us at hiddenjukebox.com, uh, facebook.com slash hiddenjukebox, instagram.com slash jukeboxhidden, uh, and tell your friends and tell your enemies and uh, listen to Pantera. And until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton.